0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the finale of The Labyrinth. I am your host, Zachary Duncan. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm doing this so theatrically. Uh, I guess it's appropriate for this sort of movie. It's a very broad kind of performances that you find in this movie, right? Right. But we'll get into that. This is more for the analysis stuff at the end. Now you're going to hear my opinions, one way or the other. We're going to hash that sort of thing out at the end, and we're going to see if Allison's heart is completely broken and I have crushed her soul and spirit. Or if I have uplifted it and validated her entire childhood. And filmic tastes. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's going to be a good time. I'm really excited for this one. I think this is going to be a great, perhaps the best part of this trilogy here so uh, anyway I mean there's not much else to say you've heard it twice before now but I just want to reiterate that you know you can go and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Rose Tinted Reels and you can join us in the Facebook group RTR Community Face Place or as the pirates would say (laughs) RTR Community Face Place and uh, you know you can leave your comments there have little discussions and stuff like have your little discussions there no one's gonna censor you or anything like that I almost went into my key the goddamn sensor there for a moment but what I really want to tell you guys what the important information is that you should have is that you should go to Apple podcasts immediately right now I'm talking this very moment go to Apple podcasts leave a five-star review now I don't care if you've left a rating that's perfectly fine and dandy I don't really mind But you must leave a review. If you don't leave a review, you're like the scum of the earth. Right? You're like like a little piece of scum that's on the bottom of my shoe. I don't even know what to do with you. Scrape you off or just burn the whole shoe. I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know what to say to you people. But you can make it right. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Right now. Now just do that. Do that for me. It's just a kindness that you can do. It will uh, ease the darkness in my soul for just a moment, you know, and every moment counts. It makes my life just a little bit better. And on a serious note, it does actually help the podcast. It helps our visibility in the, the podcast ecosystem. And I believe Apple Podcast is the only place that you can do that nonsense. So do us a solid, leave us a five-star review. Thank you. And uh, that's all. So prepare your brains and your minds for the finale of Labyrinth.
1: So this is where I wanted us to just focus on Hoggle's face. Um, he hands Sarah a poison peach that was given to him by Jareth. And just after she bites it, I just want to focus on all the manipulations that had to go on behind the scenes to give him this kind of recoil and grief and flinching almost. Like it just it's beautiful puppetry. Sarah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Oh
2: thank you. You're a lifesaver. <clears throat>
1: To stay with him. Mm-hmm. Stay strange. Oh. Hoggle, what have you done? Oh,
2: damn you, Jared.
1: And damn me too. It's mostly when she first does that, but I just
0: So I will say that the I I the illusion is so good with Hoggle that I often just subconsciously forget that it's a puppet and there's you know motors and stuff articulating it just feels like there's somebody with a mask on and there's a human under it actually making the facial expressions yeah and i forget that there's so much involved in making it look so human
1: yeah it just it, it's so stunning to watch yeah. And my next is 106 37 and while i recognize that we can't watch just the whole ballroom scene um this is my favorite scene in the entire movie um it just is so beautiful And this is one of my favorite songs from the movie. I fully intend to have the song playing at some point during my wedding. (laughs) Um, The set and the characters and the music is just so immersive and just, to me, stunning. Uh, And, you know, I recognize how problematic and how creepy it is that an adult is drugging a child.
0: To seduce them, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I read about kind of a behind-the-scenes of this scene that kind of goes into my theory about this is kind of her moving out of adolescence Mm -hmm. into the young woman phase, I guess, if you want to call it that. So uh, the ballroom scene is kind of a metaphor of her becoming an adult. She's being enticed by these adult things. Um, She's being
0: enticed by David Bowie's balls.
1: That too. Adult things.
0: Uh (laughs) I mean, literal Uh, metaphorical and figurative figurative and and literal (laughs) yeah there are balls she's in a ball Mm -hmm. and she's in a ball
1: and she's in a ball having a ball um so you can see her as she's interacting with the adults kind of around her like her just kind of being unsure and unsteady and oftentimes it's almost she's recoiling and almost repulsed by it not like you know like a visceral like i'm gonna vomit repulse but just kind of like she feels out of place and uncertain. And so she's, she's rejecting the adult themes that are happening around her until she's kind of swept under the thrall of the Goblin King. And um, just kind of as the, the narrative of her coming into a more mature phase of life at the end of the movie, this is her ultimate trying to still fight and reject this kind of future for herself.
2: eyes. so
1: um back when i still worked at barnes and nobles uh, i actually flew out to california to visit my friend barbara and we went to the jim henson labyrinth ball that they have every year at um it's called the magic box it's a club in California and they they hell they hold a labyrinth ball once a year.
0: Oh that's interesting so everybody dresses like this and has kind of a set design like this
1: yeah it's they either dress like this or they have their own kind of fey that they try to represent right so. Yeah,
0: neat. I mean, I can see your attraction to him when he when he does like a grin or like a half smile.
1: Oh God, it's just, mm, the smirk.
0: He's a fancy little fella, isn't he? So yeah, this is also my timestamp. I wasn't going to show it. I was just going to comment on how creepy it is that the middle-aged pop star drugged and seduces a 15-year-old girl.
1: <laughs> You're making me seem like a monster. You kind of are. Well, no, it's not that I want this to happen to a 15-year-old. I want that person to be me. But that's weird. Ever since I was four, I tried to wish myself weird, man. into the labyrinth.
0: Ever since you were four, you wanted to be drugged and seduced by an uh, aging pop star.
1: Well, I didn't understand that metaphor at that time. But it's not a metaphor. It's, it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, would, like, I, I used to ask my sister to wish me into the labyrinth. I tried to wish myself into the labyrinth. I would try to find portals. Like, I would pretend that there was a portal in my laundry hamper, and I would try to jump into it.
0: Were you a soul bonder when you were young? Did not you that feel I'm like did you have David Bowie in your head?
1: Well, daydreams, but not like you know. I didn't think I was him, and I didn't act out like.
0: Well, and it's not always soul bonding. Isn't always that you you feel like you are them. It's more that you can you can feel so strongly about a character that you feel that you know them or that they are in your head, and so you can have conversations with them, or you feel like you can get responses from them.
1: Oh no, nothing like that. Okay. Nothing so strong. But it was more just. There was a couple of places that I wished I could wish myself into and labyrinth. I I wanted to wish myself into the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. I even wished my sister into the labyrinth to see if I could chase her and try to rescue her and then just be like, can I stay?
0: Well, yeah, you would want to wish somebody else in so that David Bowie would come and visit you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how you want it to go.
1: Yeah. But then I was worried because she was older that he wouldn't go for it or he would turn me into a goblin and I would miss out.
0: Yeah, I guess if you if you got wished in, but you'd be closer proximity to him all the time.
1: True, but I'd be but, a goblin and therefore less interesting.
0: Only after the first 13 hours, but well, that first 13 hours would be amazing. What a
1: 13.
0: <laughs> anyway, all right, so my next is 11155 and that's actually my last one.
1: Okay, Um, mine is 111.33, and I will say, like, out of everything that happens in the movie, this is the only part of the movie that scared me when I was a kid, and I don't know what it is, but just, holy hell, when she opens the door, and she's in the junkyard of the labyrinth, like, it just, the, the witch standing, she's not a witch, she's a goblin, but uh, standing on the other side of the door. When she thinks she's home safe and it opens and it's still the fantasy, like,
2: ugh.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I, I had, my notes were about that, too. I said that it had kind of a Little Nemo vibe to it.
1: It does, very much so. Yeah, because
0: there's a part in Little Nemo where he goes back to his house, anyway. and you he can kind of half believe that he's actually there, mm-hmm. and he tries to convince himself, but then he starts hearing things. And then he goes downstairs or whatever, and his house is like flooding, yeah, or something like that. Just like the fantasy world has seeped back into his reality again,
1: and he like panicked.
0: Yeah, and that that is ex- the exact feeling here, which I quite liked. Uh,
1: oh, again, uncomfortable looking bed. Yeah, it really it's is made of cinder blocks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he do- she doesn't like her stepmother. Maybe she got her this bed. I was like, "You have to sleep on cinder blocks."
1: No, please, please, Stepmama.
0: No, Portia, <laughs> you will sleep on these shut cinder blocks, up, Portia. <laughs> oh, do shut up! It was just a dream. You yeah, dreamed all.
1: it all,
2: Lancelot.
1: Banana pajama banana. But it was so Demo.
2: real.
1: <sighs> Let's go see if Daddy's back, okay? When I was her age, I did not call my dad Daddy. Better <laughs> to stay
2: in here, dear. <laughs> yes, there's nothing you want out there. No. Oh, no. Oh. What a oh. That's a lot. Oh, you're a little bunny rabbit. You like your little bunny rabbit, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. There you go. Oh, there's Betsy Boo. You remember Betsy Boo, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like she's trying to feed into her psychological problem. Like, you've got to believe that this fake world is mm-hmm. your real world.
1: Don't you want to stay Japan here with slippers, all your past you know, belongings and, and your slipper, youthful you age? Yeah. Don't grow up, pain. Sarah. What stay. Else? Oh, Stay with your thing, at least you for thirteen horsey, hours. Don't you
0: dear? For the remainder of
2: this, you got a
1: printing game. You have. Oh, here's
2: a treasure. You'll want that, won't you, my dear? Yes. Go on, put it on. Go Make yourself on. up. And here's dear old Flopsy. You'll want her, right? There you go. Oh, yes. I wonder ah, if
1: some of the Sarahs oh, died by yes, being Charly smothered bear. by their own belongings.
2: Right there, Charlie Bear for you. Oh man. It huh? was something I was looking for talk nonsense it's all here everything in the world you've ever cared about is all right here Look.
0: so it, according to the goblin compendium this garbage woman mm-hmm. it was written by brian Fround and terry jones is named agnes <laughs>
2: you should go to my candy dangers untold and hardships unnumbered
1: i fought my way here to the castle Beyond the Goblin City, take that.
2: Back-
0: it is interesting that the movie is not called The Labyrinth, but the book is. Mm-hmm. Is there a book that this was based on? No.
1: No, they created a book um, after this was released. Um, have so- you read it? Yeah, I have it, it's uh, they so okay. So they released a movie paperback that is impossible to find. Like, you know how they always release a paperback novel- novelization. Yeah. But recently uh, they re-released um, the book with proud Illustrations and a little hardback, and um, I was able to get that a few years ago.
0: Nice. Do you wanna, Are you done here?
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're approaching the walls of the Goblin City, and we're approaching a door. At the door there is a single guard posted, and watch this little dog, Syndrome energy. We must go quietly. What is Didymus
0: supposed to be, by the way? Is he a fox? Is he a dog?
1: So I always kind of thought he was like a Pomeranian and a fox together. Okay,
0: <laughs> I can see that. All
1: right now, Sir Didymus,
2: wake the guard. Oh, yes. We'll let them all wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I shall fight you all to the death. I shall fight you all to the death. Please, for my sake, hush. But of course, for thee, anything. But I am not a coward. No. And my sense of smell is keen. Oh yes. Then I shall fight anyone, anywhere, any place, any time. Hush. Now he scolds Ambrosius.
1: Ambrosius, be quiet now. <laughs>
0: Everything about him is amazing. I, I love his character.
1: Oh God, I love the fight between him and Ludo, and I can't believe. It. I mean, it would have been hard to narrate because it's just yeah. small dog energy.
0: Well, like. so and later on when he's fighting all the people in the city, mm-hmm. and especially like when he's trying all to right, get
1: do surrender. Yeah, I
0: know. It's like had enough, and there are like fifteen people pointing spears at him, <laughs> <laughs> surrounding him. So you're all surrounded. <laughs> it's just him. He's awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, he'd be the one character. Like, I attach to him more than I do Hoggle. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Definitely. He's awesome. So, I do want to play, I don't know if we should keep the audio on Mm -hmm. for this, but I do want to play through this a bit. There is one part where he is kind of winched, or, you know... yeah he comes from underneath and he comes to stand up yeah. no i thought that they there there've been a, there's been a lot of use of reversal shots mm-hmm. where like when the uh, toby bounces the ball or the b- the ball bounces up and toby catches it mm-hmm. it's just a reverse shot toby dropped the ball and it bounced down the stairs and they reversed that so it looks like he catches it there are a bunch of uses of that throughout the movie, so I thought this was one of them. I thought he would have just leaned back and fallen off the platform like onto a pad or something, and they reversed it, but no, they had a... A, a rig. Yeah, they had a yeah. rig that pulled him up, and you can actually see the shadow of the rig. Mm. We skipped over the ballroom scene. We, we oh, didn't skip it, but we didn't look for Beverly Crusher.
1: Oh, God blast it. We'll just have to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of see the backboard.
0: Well, the thing that I read was that you could see the uh, a shadow of the rig... I wonder if they've edited that out for subsequent releases because I didn't see it because apparently they have changed things. So on the original VHS, you didn't see the faces of uh, David Bowie all throughout the labyrinth, like on the rocks and stuff like that. That was added in for the DVD release. Hmm. So that's new. So it's possible that they've George Lucas style edited out some things.
1: Smoothed it out. Yeah
0: this scene where everything's kind of broken apart Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of kingdom hearts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that
0: where it's like a black void where you've got kind of the remnants of a real structure or something like that kind of frozen in time as it's kind of broken apart and everything.
1: And you'll see the clock here is spinning out of control.
0: I really like the aesthetic.
2: child Sarah beware I have been generous up- how has he been generous till now but I can be cruel generous what have you done that's generous everything everything that you wanted I have done you are-
0: she wanted to get to the castle she's there but he didn't do that he tried to prevent her from doing that
1: yeah it's part of the game
0: but that's not what he just said <laughs>
1: But But he's supposed to be a mad king.
2: He's certainly mad. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening.
0: How was that something she wanted? I don't get this. I I have. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, apparently you were a very strange (laughs) four-year-old.
2: Reordered time.
0: You reordered time to prevent her from getting there. Not what she wanted.
2: I've turned the world upside down. And I have done it all for you
0: to prevent you from getting here. Not what she wanted.
2: I am exhausted from living up to your expectations.
0: I mean, it is a good line, but I don't get it.
1: Well, and okay, so think of it this way: this world is all something of her fantasy, of her imagination. Right. So, um, my my fan theory from earlier aside, that I read. Um, if this was something that he created, um, a- as part of, I guess, the contract to take the child, he created and fabricated this entire thing for her. Um, so yeah, I could see it being a little magically fatiguing if,
0: uh, well, I'm not saying he's not fatigued from doing this, but all of the things he's been doing has been preventing her from getting what she wanted.
1: Yeah. But she, she did wish him away first. So maybe, you know.
0: Right, and he did that, and that is what she wanted initially. So I, I, I understand that. But and everything she, else he said was not what to she challenge
1: wanted. Challenge him to, to get the baby back after she. She
0: didn't want to challenge him. She wanted the baby back.
1: Yeah, she she's had to going challenge him against the wish she made before. Yes, she's greedy.
0: Yes, she has made now contradictory wishes. Yes, but he fulfilled the first wish and then blocked all subsequent wishes. Mm-hmm. That's my point.
2: Isn't that generous?
1: No. She doesn't deny it.
0: Well, she's and told. been seduced by him.
1: Yeah. Hardships unnumbered. <laughs> I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City.
2: For my will is as strong as yours. And my kingdom. Wait. Look, sir. Look what I'm offering you. Your dream.
1: and my kingdom is great.
2: I ask for so little. Just let me rule you, and you can have everything that you want. Kingdom is great? Damn, I can never remember that line. Just fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. You have no power over me.
0: Gandalf the Grey.
1: (laughs) You have no power over me. So, my last timestamp we get the emotional goodbyes that does sometimes make me cry, just to warn you. Is that.
0: Only sometimes, though? Sometimes, other times, you're not feeling it?
1: No, every time it does. (laughs) it's a one hour 34 minutes 55 seconds Sarah has her final goodbye to her adolescence Sarah are you home yeah yes I'm home
2: goodbye Sarah
1: she looks around and nothing is behind her when she looks back into her mirror she sees her friends she's insane and remember, fair maiden, should you need
2: us... Yes, should you need us, for any reason at all. I need you, Huggle. You, you do? I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need you, all of you. Oh, you do? Well! Why didn't you say
0: so? I'm really confused why the red guy, the the red crack Furbies are here. Mm -hmm. Because they were trying to murder her. They're not friends. (laughs) Yeah. She's weeping, ladies and gentlemen at home.
1: (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get why the baddies are all there, too. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Labyrinth.
0: And what a movie it was, too. Good, bad, ugly. Let's find out together. Let's ascend to act Four: the rose-tinted feelings. (sighs) Eliasen.
1: That is sort of me. (sighs)
0: <sighs> was this movie as good as you remember when you were 4 years old always 10 out of 10
1: 10 out of 10 it just it always this is if you had to define a perfect nostalgia film for me this is the film um and this is this is i think the true nature of our podcast i've been trying to find classic films that i do think that you'd enjoy mm-hmm. this is the first time i'm daring Risking
0: opening yourself up
1: opening myself up to the possibility of I am so nostalgic for this movie That it's possible that other people won't like it as much and you know, I I recognize that especially in children's films um, This was advertised as a child's film That there is a risk of nostalgia not bordering time so to speak. So like looking as an adult watching a children's film 30 years after it came out originally, mm-hmm. I recognize the, the peril that I'm in right now.
0: And you sure are. <laughs> so I, I suppose then your perspective on things in this movie hasn't really changed.
1: No, I, I'd say that uh, I did experience a lot of anxiety having to have (laughs) us watch it. Like, I really did. You have no idea. Well, okay, so
0: so thinking, being terrified by my potential perspective of the movie, mm -hmm. did that force you to look at it differently?
1: In in a way, because I was trying to be critical about it, especially uh, through our uh, rating system that we're about to get to. You know, I just... um, I, I, I had to separate what is Allison's palette and Allison's nostalgia versus a, a, a true critical analysis of the film. So, I mean, I, I will acknowledge adult Allison sees the um, problematic relationship between Sarah and Jareth.
0: <laughs> but you still love it?
1: I, Allison, love Jareth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not, Way to I, dodge. You know what? I am not afraid to say it. I love the Goblin King. I wish myself to the Labyrinth.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So me, my name is Zach.
1: What were your thoughts? Finally, tell me your <sighs> thoughts. Put me out of my misery.
0: Still gonna, it's going to be a slow burn here. Okay, here we go. All right. so
1: be. The, Why uh, won't you look at me? Oh, God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hoodlum and uh, Hoggle, uh, the relationship he had with David Bowie was very Darth Vader and Lando Calrissian, I thought. You know, he was kind of under threat from Vader or uh, uh, David Bowie, mm-hmm. but he was still friends with the main character, but eventually had to do the betrayal mm-hmm. and the Judas. Yes, he betrayed and then he kind of came back and and saved the day anyway, in defiance of said oppressor. Uh, I, I like that parallel. I don't know if that was because Georgie Lou was involved in the in the program mm-hmm. or not. Maybe Georgie Lou had something to do with that. Maybe it was a nod to the Georgie Lou works. But, uh, you know, it's a story trope. I'm sure it's been in other things. But it struck me as very Vader and Lando. (laughs) But I like that. A lot of the inanimate objects, like we were talking about earlier, were also hidden creatures and articulated and gave everything life. I really loved that aspect of this movie. The motivation of David Bowie's character, I felt, was kind of non-existent. As kind of, I felt with almost every character in the movie, I didn't see anybody's motivation to do anything except for uh, Sarah to get back Toby.
1: But I, I mean, didn't. Terrorist's motivation was to make another goblin, or so we would believe. Right, but His what other motivation could be the but, fact that he has so many Sarahs? But why? Why
0: specifically that boy? She wished him. Well, yeah, but he, can't he get other people without having needing them to be wished?
1: So here's the the problem the the magic words the the combination of the magic words had to happen there there had to be as far as we understand it certain elements that contributed to her being wished uh wishing specifically those exact magic phrases i mean how many people like Would you just have naturally come to I wish the goblins would take you away? Uh,
0: I'm sure not a lot of people say that, but I don't know how popular this book is in this fictional world. However, on this topic, I'm going to skip ahead to my writing notes just on the subject of motivation. This movie had a lot of the motivations feeling thin. It had a very big feel of this is going to happen. Don't worry about why. A lot of the songs that popped up didn't feel like they really fit with the story. It just was like an excuse to play some David Bowie. Which... Is fine, I guess, for the fans of David Bowie. But it just didn't feel like it really was congruent with the rest of the movie. But why did she hate Toby so much? I didn't really understand. Why did Bo- David Bowie want to keep this kid specifically so badly? Why didn't he, if he didn't want her to reach the castle, why didn't he use more of his magic to stop her? He clearly had the ability. Was Were there laws against being so direct with his hindering? Why was uh, Lombo Lombard, what was his name? Ludo. Ludo. Uh, why was he following her after being freed? Didn't he have his own life? Why was he captured in the first place? Why was he not out for revenge? why Why was there no interest in why that happened and like well, seeking?
1: He, he's a little bit simple.
0: He's a little bit simple. Uh, why didn't he use the big boulders to kill the creatures that were torturing him to begin with? Why did uh, did he misleave his post that he swore a blood oath to protect at the bridge? There was just a lot of things happening that just didn't really have an explanation. And I thought that most of the quirky happenings felt like Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz rejects.
1: Well, I guess you could see why I liked it, because of the Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and I, I liked all that stuff, too. I don't, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just a note. It felt like it took a lot of stylistic cues from Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz.
1: Well, when you think about the kind of fantastical brain of Jim Henson, I could see him being influenced by those things. I mean, yeah. those were books in the room. Yeah, was Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, and
0: was Alice in Wonderland in there also? Yeah, yeah, and that makes total sense.
1: Yeah, so I think this was a fantastical world that seeped out of the brain of Brian Froud and Jim Henson, and just I, I can't defend the motivational loophole that you present, but it's I, I think for me I just accepted it. Yeah, because four-year-old Allison exactly. I mean, as as a kids
0: movie, the kids I'm sure aren't really going to care about the the motivations of the characters, and it gets into the territory of just like the writers are just like, we want this cool thing to happen. It doesn't really matter if it makes sense or if if it flows naturally from the previous state of the story. We just want to be there, so let's go there.
1: And when you think about Jim Henson, like a lot of them are improv, like uh, they they have a whole improvisational puppetry seminar thing that they teach so it's the power of yes basically so i think a lot of these characters just followed the power of yes
0: yeah but anyway so back to just generally how do i like how how do i feel about this movie i thought that the jim henson factor was amazing stylistically i loved all the choices they made just the, the the aesthetics of sets the puppets the behavior of the puppets even the, the color palette, it all felt very cool. Mm-hmm. It, it gave me, not necessarily that it looked like Tim Burton, but just the, the character of a Jim Burton movie is very identifiable. Like the shapes of buildings, even in a, Jim, a Tim Burton movie, you can see is Tim Burton-esque. Mm-hmm. And this didn't feel like Tim Burton, but it felt like it, it established its own world aesthetic for the buildings and shapes and things like that. And I loved that. I thought it was very cool.
1: Oh. So it's mixed review, but there there's a lot of positive there.
0: Yeah, essentially, I thought that the writing was waxwork level, honestly.
1: <laughs> Ouch! <laughs>
0: but beauty was I, you know, it was great. Dripping, it was dripping with uh, style and beauty.
1: Yeah, dripping with elegance. Yeah.
0: So that's that's my general take on this movie.
1: Okay. Do you think it contributed something to cinema? Nah. So I thought um, th- this is hard because I am I, I did have trouble separating my bias. <laughs> okay. But I would say that it introduced some groundbreaking advancements in puppetry uh, and set design. Um, they created their own version of that green screen. I know you said that it wasn't successful, but they still created something. Um, and the 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 puppetry, while puppets have existed, I don't think that they have existed to this level of detail before. Like in well, other the, Jim Henson movies, this is the first one. Like with all of like that, that just very delicate facial animatronics.
0: And this was Jim Henson's last movie, I think, mm-hmm. that he directed. So, I mean, all the other Jim Henson movies, I feel like he's they've they've he's brought together, or brought to life many other creatures, including Yoda, mm-hmm. uh, which actually I don't know that Jim Henson had anything to do with that, but it's possible that he had some influence because it was George Lucas, and I think it was. Empire when you first meet Yoda so it was the the second movie that George Lucas had made in the Star Wars universe and so it's possible that he was already friends with uh, Jim Henson mm-hmm. and getting help on that it was certainly Frank Oz doing the performance for Yoda but there was a lot of facial animation and articulation in Yoda no i i, I don't think that there was anything i mean it seems like every puppet that jim henson and his studio makes is unique in some way Mm -hmm. so i'm not saying that they didn't do any new things with the puppets but generally speaking it's not i don't it doesn't seem to me that leaps and bounds were made in the technology behind everything but i again i haven't watched a lot of the special features for this so i could be wrong but that's my instinct just looking at the final results
1: well, when you do watch the behind the scenes that I can't really articulate as well, you'll have to, to add that to another episode where you'll be like, Zach takes. Well, I looked back on the animatronics and my theory is either proven or changed. Right. So you'll just have to give us a Zach update.
0: Okay. And actually, I think I was a little harsh on saying that it was waxwork level mm-hmm. writing wise.
1: Yeah, I would say.
0: <laughs> it's close. But they add in, like, just having things as thoughtful as putting in the classic uh, logic riddle of the doors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was, it's cool. There are many good touches. J- strike that. It's not Waxworks level. It's it's not. But it's the lack of motivation for almost every character in the whole movie and and not having a necessary reason why one event flows into the next event is, I don't think, it's. it doesn't, it's not good writing, in my opinion. But there are many good, touches in every scene writing wise so it's not as it's obviously not as bad as waxwork but just the the flow of writing doesn't so you kind of
1: wish there was like in wizard of Oz where dorothy goes up to the tin man she's like well come with me to the emerald city and you'll get a heart
0: because yes because you will get a heart okay and then they become friends along the way but there's a reason he started following her yeah right
1: okay that's fair would anything need to be changed for a modern audience I think I know your answer.
0: No, I, I uh, drugging children and uh, giving them to pop stars to seduce. Is, it's cool. At eyes wide shut parties. That's that's cool.
1: <laughs> so part of me did uh, part of me. All of me did say that, you know, if they ever remade this movie. One, I don't think it would be as successful without David Bowie. But at the same time, I'm wondering if they would put someone as enticing as David Bowie as the lead. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they would try to make him gross or something to not confuse the journey with adult love relationships. Like, I think that they would make the Goblin King something gross. It's
0: a good point. Or uh,
1: have him turn into something gross if he wasn't before,
0: right? Like maybe he begins to seduce her, and then she maybe recoils or something, and then he reveals himself to be a disgusting something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. Uh, serious question: If they were to remake this movie, who would be your ideal cast if you couldn't have David Bowie? Who do you think would? Who Who do you think could fill the role of a similar? Uh, character of the Goblin King.
1: So I don't know if they're a musical prowess, but I think Alexander Skarsgård would be a very enticing Goblin King. Yeah, he's got a
0: similar presence, doesn't he? Yeah, Except for the grins. I don't know if he could pull off the, the the cheeky grins.
1: Oh, I don't know. Do you remember True Blood? Of course. Yeah, Did he no, do cheeky grins? Yeah, Eric Northman had some good cheeky grins. I'll have to send them to you later. You're, you're going to uh, send me some cheeky I'm gonna, grins? I'm going to find some gifts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? But uh, no, Eric Northman, I would say... Damn. Yes, the vampire Eric Northman. Uh, (laughs) I
0: think you are sold bonded to this man.
1: (laughs) No, uh, Alexander Skarsgård I think could do a good job if we were looking for someone musical. And not
0: necessarily. uh, Assuming that you could teach them to sing or whatever, just your ideal actor.
1: Or maybe not even have it be a musical. I think that it would work fine if there wasn't the musical element or if there was musical interludes separate from the lead Right. Working. So it's because there could be the ballroom scene without him directly singing to Sarah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And that that was another thing to the writing, the the songs. And we we already discussed this, but just kind of adding to w- what I felt about the writing, the songs might've been nice sounding, but they
1: wanted the radio playability of the song. Yeah.
0: It, it felt like this was just a vehicle for David Bowie music videos <laughs> <laughs> with some Muppets involved.
1: Yeah. I, I I struggle because I also don't know a lot of contemporary musicians as well as they used to.
0: Okay, so say let's let's say we're going to do a remake of the Labyrinth non musical. Who's your man? Scarsgard.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you?
0: It's an interesting question. I do like Scarsgard. I think that's a that's a good suggestion for the role. Who are who are other tall smirky people?
1: Tall smirky people. Oh, uh, Hiddleston.
0: That's another good choice. Hiddleston is a good choice.
1: And he's got the British factor.
0: He's got the British factor as well. <laughs> Although Eric Norseman is uh, Scarsgard, He is, what is he, Glaswegian?
1: Norwegian. Scandiwegian?
0: Yeah. So he, he's got an accent, but not the same.
1: But he can do British. I've heard him do British. And not British. <laughs> no, well, he's, <laughs> he, he's not a
0: street urchin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Eggsy.
0: <laughs> eggsy. Eggs Benedict Arnold. Yeah, what is he? He's he's kind of Ooh, a...
1: Ooh, Benedict Cumberbatch.
0: Cumberbunch? That'd be good. Cumberbuns. What's he... Uh, uh, what do you think? He, you think he could pull off... This kind of scummy, but sexy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: Think you could pull off scummy, but sexy?
1: Yeah. Okay. All I'm right. here for it. Let's do it.
0: All right. So Cumberbunds, we're going to, we're going to.
1: But Skarsgård is still he's number one. one because he has that kind of regal. But
0: if he's, if he's working on a project currently and he's unavailable, we're going to Cumberbunds?
1: Or Hiddleston. Or
0: Hiddleston. Well, who do you think it wins out over Hiddleston and Cumberbunds?
1: So Hiddleston has this whole mischievous thing to him, this kind of two nature. And that's duality.
0: why I think he's better. I would go for Hiddleston over Cumberbunds. Even though I love Cumberbunds, I think Hiddleston has that, that certain personality quirk that is perfect for a, a scummy but sexy.
1: Yeah. This is a weird classification of men I didn't know.
0: <laughs> that you loved.
1: Didn't know that was my thing. Yeah, but apparently... <laughs> But maybe. <laughs> I'm just thinking.
0: I know. All right. Well, while you think, let's see. Would we uh, contribute something to cinema? Of course not. Would anything need to be changed? We already covered that. All right. Are we on to the Rose Award Ceremony? Just kidding. <laughs> All right.
1: Silence. No. This is Colton. Don't, don't abuse our listeners.
0: I apologize to all of you people out there. This is Act 5, the Rose Award Ceremony. Now, please tell me. I mean, I feel like I know the answer here. It's not going to make any sense, but please tell me who you gave your Rose Award to.
1: So I actually feel like this oh, okay. is one of those stories where the hero is their own Rose and thorn.
0: Okay, we've done this before. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I would say Sarah is on a journey and uh, some of her youthful ways stand in her way of advancing. Um, she's on the precipice of growing up, and so I would say the thorn is her adolescence and the rose is her journey.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I gave my rose to Hoggle. Okay. He overcomes his natural cowardice, which is not an easy thing to do, but Mm -hmm. he did it. Mm -hmm. So I read an analysis of this film, and it was kind of a fan's theory, is that every goblin in the kingdom was an emotional island, that was kept separate from all other goblins, and so they had to... They were not allowed friends or connections or things like that. So, Sarah coming through kind of brought people together, and they were kind of forced to address their own issues as they emotionally or socially bounced off of people for the first time. And so, he had to confront his own cowardice and very easily could have just not given her the peach and gotten out of there. But he opposed the great evil, the Vader, if you will, and helped the hero come out on top. And without his assistance, I don't think she gets to the end. Mm-hmm. So she was able to overcome many obstacles herself, but there were some she just couldn't. Yeah, And it was it was down to him and overcoming his own cowardice that got her to the end. So I gave it to Hoggle for that reason. Thorn, I, you gotta give it to the Goblin King. I mean, I actually didn't fill in anything for the Thorn. I had trouble with that because I mm-hmm. felt like Everybody was kind of combating their own things and whatever, but...
1: In many ways, we all have demons and battles we're facing inwardly and... But it it also seemed
0: too obvious to give it to him. Yeah. But it really was. I mean, he was stopping her from getting to the end, though he would say to the contrary. He said he was doing everything for her. Didn't make any goddamn sense. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I would give that... I'd give the thorn to the Goblin King.
1: I think no one really looks at themselves and says, you know what? I am the villain.
0: (laughs) Exactly, but... (laughs) You know, very often we are. Who would you give your, I mean, come on. (laughs) Who would you give your, (laughs) I mean, really. But who would you give your your love award to?
1: So aside from my obvious love of Jareth slash Bowie, uh, Didymus and Ludo. Yeah. They're just so cute and wonderful and lovable. And yeah, from time to time, I would definitely need them just to to, to cuddle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So if I had to choose one out of all of them, I gave it to Didymus.
1: He's so cute.
0: He was amazing. I love that fella. Every scene he was, I think he stole every scene. He was, hands down, I perked up when he was on camera and had speaking lines.
1: Because he knew he was about to be just like hilarious. He was, the, he was the comedy.
0: He was the comedy, but he also, I thought he brought heart. Yeah. You know, he, he was brave to a fault.
1: What smell What what's speaking of? There but he, is fragrance was willing.
0: He was willing to take on like 15 people at once. Yeah. He did not care. You know, obviously he probably would have lost, but he had the gumption.
1: Oh, yeah. And you know what's kind of funny about him is he was the Monty Python element, like, because, you know, there was the Monty Python writer in this. Yeah. He was where it was evident to me. No one else really, just him.
0: That's a, yeah, that's an interesting uh, speculation. I wonder if that's, that was mainly his, Terry Jones's hand bringing him into things.
1: He seems very Terry Jones.
0: He does a little bit, yeah. (laughs) And I loved it. I loved it. So there you go. Who on earth was your hate award?
1: Okay. While I acknowledge she wasn't that bad, it was Sarah's stepmother and her shoulder pads.
0: The shoulder pads, I can see.
1: Those were aggressive.
0: Those were aggressive shoulder pads. But I just, I did not get a mean vibe from her at all. I think that was a total projection of Sarah's personality.
1: See, but I've read it. I I read that same projection, that kind of shrill. um,
0: But I think since you are seeing this ever since you were a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think you were you were yeah. identifying with the the main heroine of the piece, and so you you were identifying with all of her emotions towards things, as irrational as I think they were.
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's a fair assessment, and that's the hard part of this show. So that's why I specifically narrowed it down to the shoulder pads.
0: The shoulder pads. I will give my hate award to them.
1: Yeah, they were aggressive. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Let's go on to the ratings. This is the real terrifying moment. (laughs) What are you thinking now? Now that I've revealed some of how I feel about this movie.
1: I think we're at least fives. Okay. For most of the things, except writing. I think writing you probably gave lower. Okay.
0: All right. So let's start with genre. So first of all, I called this genre musical puppets.
1: Okay. I called it children's musical fantasy.
0: Okay. So for musical puppets, I gave it a six out of ten.
1: Okay. What's a ten out of ten puppet?
0: Musical puppet, team America.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Those are marionettes, not puppets.
0: They were puppets. That's a puppet. That's a sub <laughs> subclass of puppets.
1: That's I cannot believe you just put
0: Team these on. America, baby. There were explosions. There was heart. There were great, memorable songs. Freedom isn't free. No, there's a hefty fucking fee. And if you don't put in your bucko five, who will?
1: Freedom costs a bucko five. I just, I cannot believe you're putting these in the same ratings.
0: <laughs> That's a 10 out of 10 in my book. Because okay. it had the humor. It had the heart.
1: See, I would have called Team the America. had satire a uh, puppet comedy yeah
0: it is but it's also musical tons of songs in there and I think a be- it was a better musical than this
1: the songs were not as disjointed
0: but they, they, they all had something to do with the plot or characters it advanced things it explained things and they were catchy and memorable it was a really good musical
1: so I gave my genre of children's musical fantasy a 10 out of 10 Um, And I think it's, you know, this is a very specific genre, this sort of kind of dark fairy tale with music and puppets. You know, for me, they are the pinnacle of this particular kind of storytelling. Um, And the only others that I can think kind of play in the same world or universe are Legend and Dark Crystal. Legend. Legend with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. Oh, Don't that that will it. have to be on our list.
0: Is that that's another puppet movie?
1: It's puppet and a lot of practical effects. It is not a musical though. Okay. Um. So that will be on our list.
0: All right. So let me. I'm gonna rate your thing. So you said that the genre was okay. children musical fantasy. Mm-hmm. Children musical fantasy. Ten out of ten for me would be. I'll, I'll, first of all, my rating for that is. I'll give it. I'll give it a low rating simply because I didn't think the musical aspect of it was there. I think children's fantasy, I would rate this high. Okay. I would say... It's
1: the musical element that's throwing you.
0: For a children's fantasy, I'd give this a seven or an eight. Okay. I think it's, it's a really good children's fantasy. For musical, it just wasn't a musical, really. Just randomly, some people would start singing a David Bowie song... And then the scene would be over. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) all right, man. But my 10 out of 10 for a children's fantasy musical. I mean, almost any of the old Disney movies, like, you know, Aladdin, uh, Lion King, any of these things. Those are, those are my 10 out of 10 for that. But yeah, for just children's fantasy, I'd give it an eight. It was, it was up there. It was, it was really good for that.
1: That's
0: fair. Uh, What would you give it for magic, musical puppets?
1: Musical puppets specifically? Yeah.
0: And why on earth do you think that this would be better than Team America for that? <laughs> now, obviously, the puppets were... It's,
1: it's a different vibe, man. It's, it's like, totally different I, vibe. I can't put those in the same rating system because but for they the specific, are so different. But
0: for the specific subgenre of musical puppets, those both meet those qualifications. Now, obviously, the puppets are not as good in Team America, of course. Nowhere near as good, but they weren't supposed to be.
1: So my, my top rating scale for specific musical puppets, would go to the original Muppet movie. Okay. Um, just because that, if you want to look at truth, that that was the first time the Muppets donned the silver screen. Um, there was uh, good music throughout that did blend in with the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, it really did transport you to a world of blending human and puppet actors. And mm-hmm. so I just, I think it, that is what I would say is the, the 10 out of 10 of the perfect.
0: Yeah, um, I can see that.
1: So that makes sense. I would, I guess, reduce this one to a seven, but that is as low as I am willing to say. <laughs> I'm not
0: trying to bargain with you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So.
1: Direction.
0: Yes. Directing. What would you give this for directing?
1: So I really said a, a seven out of 10 um, because I just. The, the blend of the storytellers here bringing this vision to life just Henson had this world in his mind and I thought it just translated so clearly into this cinematic universe like you you I felt got to see how someone's vision was like you know and their mental vision of a world just translated so beautifully
0: right. And having the the talent to translate your vision into something as meaningfully beautiful and and just filled with life mm-hmm. that and it feels like it's all part of the same universe.
1: it felt like everything breathed like it was just living, yeah, yeah,
0: and so all being part of the same universe and and having its own style language is is back to the the conversation about Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton. And I've, I think he he totally has the same, not, not that the, the vision is the same, but the fact that they both have that vision and are able to execute it so well and cohesively. I agree. I, I have a hard time rating the directing for this movie because on one hand, he created so much beauty and cohesion in the the vision of the world that has to rate high. But there's some elements of the directing that felt... Weird and off, and I can't really explain why. It's like I don't know. I have and a hard time. So maybe I'll give it a seven. Also,
1: and part of me does wonder what parts of the script were left out. If Henson was worried about being too verbose, maybe there were things that connected those disjointed parts of the story that he left off. But that does not a good director make. No, no,
0: I'm not talking you. about writing at all.
1: Oh, okay. Just,
0: just the visuals, the composition, the the pacing, that sort of thing. I really liked it, but there was some. Th- things maybe I don't know if it was shots it's shot starting. compositions sometimes just felt off so I don't know that whatever that is brings it down for me but I'm struggling where to put it Okay, 6.57 something like that
1: that seems fair oh. I mean that out of our rating scale that's still a very generous score because I think the only 10 out of 10 director we've had so far for you has been Scorsese and Taxi Driver yeah so this is where we're going to have our biggest fight <laughs> music <laughs> alright so here
0: we are at music um nope <laughs> All right, so here we are. Music.
1: 15 out of 10? No. Nah. <laughs> so, okay. The music on its own, I I love. I do see your point, and I will concede that it doesn't necessarily serve a purpose typical to a musical like a Disney where Belle's walking through town saying the poor provincial town. Right, like, you
0: are telling the story through the song.
1: Yeah, that the, I will, I will seed that the music does not serve that purpose. But damn, are those songs bangers!
0: So that's the other thing I'm gonna have to disagree with you about.
1: I know, I and that that's a matter of our taste. It's yeah, different yeah. taste.
0: But I'm sure I'm gonna upset a lot of people by saying what I just said. Yeah. Right. So the the music, magic dance whatever <laughs>
1: dance magic dance
0: and that's the whole song. You just said every line in that song.
1: Slap that, baby! Make him free. Dance, magic dance.
0: So I don't know. It was, it's all right, but it's flipping repetitive. (laughs) And so I'm trying to, and that's the only song I remember. All the other songs I have, like, I have a vague feeling about the song. And in fact, probably only because we watched it on the the replay just now. Mm -hmm. The, the meth goblins, the meth uh, furbies. Chilly Down with Fire Game. Yeah. I don't remember what that song sounds like. I've got kind of a vague... None of none of the songs were very memorable to me. So for music, I gave it a 5 out of 10, okay. which is still not a terrible rating. I didn't hate any of the songs as a pro, as a con. I didn't love any of the songs. And like I said, there's only one song that I could really remember after watching.
1: Okay. This is also hard because when you have grown up watching a movie and there's music in it, I, of course, am going to have stronger sense memory to connect to so i i recognize uh, again the hardest part i had with reading this was separating myself from my nostalgia
0: so did you actually give this a 15 out of 10
1: yeah
2: okay
1: like i said while i i see (laughs) the fact that this music sometimes felt disjointed to the film i think every song was a banger
0: (sighs) I don't know man I feel like the it's connection to the movie has to be
1: part of your rating. But there's also the music that's happening that is not like singing music yeah. that I thought was very well done. So like when she's running through the labyrinth then there's the yeah. synthetic drums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah
0: so when like the background music for scenes I always liked. I mean it was it was good and I it it had a 80s vibe to it and Our, I liked that.
1: Like the the theme music of Jareth walking into the room. Dun, 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 dun. like I I think that even if it didn't blend into the scene for the singing parts, the music surrounding the film was also very good.
0: Right. But for this being a musical,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think that you have to judge the the scenes where they are singing a song in universe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to, it, its relation to the movie has to be judged.
1: Well, I also appreciate that you rated this higher than you did uh, White Christmas.
0: Well, yeah, the songs were definitely better than White Christmas. <laughs> Snow, snow, what rhymes with snow, snow?
1: <laughs> snow does rhyme with snow. It sure does,
0: 50 million times. <laughs>
2: Terrible.
1: Uh, writing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so writing, uh, I give a 4 out of 10. Okay. For all the reasons that I've just said. Though, I, I like I said, the inclusion of a cool classic logic riddle, super sweet. I liked that nod and also like i said each scene had moments in the writing like little character moments or things like that that i really appreciated but the fact that nothing really tied into the thing before there was no logical motivation for any of the characters pretty much it uh that tears down writing quite a bit in my opinion
1: so writing i gave a six out of ten um you know i recognize that this is just purely indulgent for me yeah um I just, I imagine if I were to sit down and write a modern fairy tale, it would end up somewhat similar. Like it, it, to me, I think part of my connection to it was, I think my brain likes telling stories in a similar way to the way that this one was told. So I mm-hmm. just, I, I super connect to it. Well,
0: it's also and, the, the the style of, or the, the pattern, I guess, of this movie was kind of road trip. Mm-hmm. Like one person's going from event to event. In search of the thing at the end, mm-hmm. so Lord of the Rings or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, all, all of these things are kind of in the same pattern of movie. Now, obviously, very genre different, mm-hmm. but uh, so I don't begrudge it. But one thing must lead into another, and it all it has to be in search of their their goals and motivations, and that's the thing that I felt lacking.
1: Okay, and that that's fair,
0: right? But I mean, you know, you, you've got your your nostalgia glasses on, and I totally don't begrudge you that.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's for for me the the way that the story read read very much like a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale or a Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Like mm-hmm. the, we don't always get to have those deep-seated whys or motivations. Sometimes things just occur because that's the fantasy of it, mm-hmm. but um so for me in in telling just a beautiful modern fairy tale I, I think this was pretty successful. So I, totally I think agree. six out of 10 was a, I actually lowered it a minute ago from a seven to a six. Okay. So I did, okay. I did lower it ever so slightly because I am listening. I like and that. And I respect it.
0: <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that we're having a real dialogue here.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. And I'm not going to go home crying.
0: <laughs> we'll see.
1: No, uh, I and mean, the at ran. the end of July. Then you should need us. And like, just <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I have to tell you after we're recording. Uh, no, I'll just tell you now. I cried at the most ridiculous thing the other day. Mm-hmm. I watch a, a YouTube channel called Tim tracker and he and his wife and his baby go through different theme parks in Orlando. Um, specifically, he was going through one of the resorts right now uh, down there and they're set up for spring and Easter and there's chocolate eggs and on one of the chocolate eggs in the lobby of his hotel is a scene of the fox and the hound. And it was just Ooh. the scene where the hound is looking up at the fox from the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all it took. Just, just crying.
0: Wait, you you saw the scene or was it like a still frame no, or what? I
1: saw the chocolate egg that had the picture of the fox and hound looking at each other.
0: Wow. And
1: my sense memory of, oh, that's about to get real. I mean, that's a a
0: sad scene. That is a sad scene, but just seeing it on an egg?
1: Yeah, on a chocolate egg in the lobby of a hotel.
0: Uh, That's impressive.
1: Yeah, I just, I'm like, what the heck is wrong with my hormones? That is an impressive
0: (laughs) threshold for tears.
1: Oh, God, I was so mad. I was like, what? Pull it together, Allison. Well, seriously, because I I wasn't even paying that close attention to what was going on because I was listening to it. I, I was more listening to what they were saying than paying attention. Yeah. I just happened to look down at the screen and I'm like, mm.
0: <laughs> "Well,
1: what what the hell, Allison?"
0: Yeah. So your hormones are racing. I guess not for uh, any pregnancy related reasons. Then
1: nothing I'm aware. Okay. Schrodinger.
0: Schrodinger's baby. Yeah. All right.
1: Acting. Acting.
0: All right. So now I get to figure out what you think of David Bowie's acting. I'm not gonna. I'm, <laughs> you just. I, I it know, way. but I didn't actually say anything. <laughs> okay. So wh- what do you give it?
1: Okay, I gave the acting a 6 out of 10. Okay. You know, because I do recognize that there's room for growth in the performance of Connolly. She is a brilliant actor now, but she was so young at the time of this film that I think there was definitely room for growth, and I don't know how much of that was writing or her acting like a child. So one thing I will say about Connelly, if you look at any of her movies from the 80s, she has this strange maturity to her in all of her films it's like she's naturally older like she's wise beyond her years i guess is the the way people would express it certainly
0: what the goblin king thought
1: <laughs> but um that was saucy you did this lot, <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> um so i will say that um in this role she was acting in a way that she believed children act which I think gave her room to grow because she was shrill and emotional. And then she aged during the movie. And I think at the end of the movie, she was that normal maturity that I'm used to seeing her at in the other films I've seen her in from the 80s. It's
0: an interesting observation. I'm not sure how many other of her movies that I've seen. I did Google her to see if there was something that jumped out at me and I don't remember anything that did. Although I did see that she had been in a movie with uh Robert D Nero I think yes yes I can't yeah, remember what um, it was called, but it was another New York he was coming back. I read the synopsis he was yeah. coming back to town after being gone for a while and having to
1: so they weren't acting in the same so she was playing the young iteration so she played opposite someone playing a young De Niro
0: oh, I see okay yeah.
1: but that has nothing to do with Connolly today <laughs>
0: but Con- and Connolly today I thought was worth a three point two
1: individually or all of the acting.
0: That's, well, uh, yeah, it's for everybody, collectively, a 3.2. Um,
1: wow. Ouch. Um, I think that's lower than Wexberg. Impossible. <laughs> I like that that's our barometer for low, but we <laughs> loved doing that movie so much. It's a
0: great movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Terribly made, but really good.
1: <laughs> it's good garbage. Acting
0: was four. <laughs>
1: so,
0: uh, okay, all right, all right. 4.2.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I'll give the acting a
1: 4.2. <laughs> Whole point two.
0: so that was down to really the the human people in the movie which were her and the lion king mufasa mufasa yes (laughs) he did have a mane didn't he right right (laughs) so yeah okay so her performance was eh. you know it was not great i mean when she was like hey i'm getting smarter now it, it all like the acting felt after school especially also
1: She was known for her after-school specials.
0: Did she do after-school specials? She did. Did she really? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it came through. (laughs)
1: Her her after-school specials,
0: chops, really pulled through. Uh, And David Bowie is not an actor, really.
1: I would disagree.
0: What else has he done that was actory?
1: Okay, uh, he did the Man Who Fell to Earth, which is a Criterion film.
0: Was this beforehand? Was this before? This
1: was, yeah, this was in the seventies. Okay. Um, he was also, and after this, um, he was in the Prestige. He played. Um, I never saw the Prestige. Really, oh, I think he would enjoy it.
0: I that was also Christian Bale, right?
1: Christian Bale and Hughie Jackman.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that one. Two illusionist movies came out around the same time: Prestige and. The Illusionist, or something. Yeah, with and I Edward saw the. Norton. Yeah, and I saw that one. I because saw the of Illusionist. Norton? I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. I like little bit. So
1: uh, one thing that uh, so Bowie plays Nikola Tesla in the Prestige. Okay. Um, so and uh, Andy Circus is his assistant.
0: Man, there are a lot of people in this movie I would love to see act.
1: Michael kane is Michael it. Michael kane He plays the tutor that helps Christian Bale and Huey Jackman learn how to be magicians. Gotcha.
0: Okay, so perhaps I, I misspoke. Perhaps he is an actor. Well, it, by this point in his career, how many other movies did he have under his belt? To Google we we go. Yeah. All right, and then this is just David Bowie. Video short, video short, video short, video short.
1: Video the short. Man Who Fell to Earth was his first, and that was 1976. That is a trippy-ass movie. Um, so he's basically an alien who comes to Earth and um, just kind of how humans treat him and how we, we treat Things that we don't understand. It, it's a very bizarre movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a gigolo.
1: Mm-hmm. He plays Paul Ambrosius von Srodzodski. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. A video God short. <laughs> uh short. Let's see. Christian. That's asked. as
0: himself, though. Uh, this one? Yeah, look under David Bowie. That's oh. the character name, so it's gotcha. just himself. Ball. TV movie snowman Bing Crosby is David Bowie
1: oh um that was they they did a music video for the little drummer boy which is one of my favorite holiday hmm. songs is their version he actually made them create a different version of the little drummer boy so he could stand out next to Bing. oh
0: that's interesting <laughs> yeah I'd like to see that Let's see, and so with the hunger oh 83.
1: yeah he, he uh it was a vampire type movie okay um, he plays john the seller. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence. Yellow beard, He was uncredited as a shark into the night. Colin Morris.
0: Absolute beginners. Labyrinth.
1: Oh, so he he was in a couple of things. Okay.
0: Well, anyway, so just having observed, he does have a good presence. He's yeah. he's got a, a very, I won't s- maybe not commanding presence, but there's something when he walks into the scene, you do there. There's something that draws your eye to him, <laughs> and it's not just his mere beauty.
1: Or his pants. I don't know
0: if I noticed his pants. I did. How
1: did you not notice? This? Oh, I do know. He
0: did have the cr- the crotch area it was bulging out. The whole raining. cartoon game about it. just... I forgot about it for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he did have a big old bulge, didn't he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got
0: really upset when I forgot about his bulge.
1: No, it was just shock. It wasn't upset. It was just like how
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so yes his his pants were impressive but no more than that i i liked his, sh- his shoulder pads were awesome and his his mane and everything his costume design was very interesting and no his he his his presence was very captivating is a better word it mm-hmm. a very captivating presence but when it was more than just giving mysterious looks or smirks it didn't it, it the the performance just didn't feel quite uh, grounded now given this is not a grounded movie it was a fantastical movie but that doesn't mean your performance can't feel grounded that's fair so yeah her performance was all right kind of bad at times David Bowie didn't feel very acty uh but Didymus gave a great performance
1: yeah I had watched a Didymus movie
0: all all the puppets gave really good performances Didymus I thought was the the standout.
1: the puppeteers just fantastic
0: shout out to the puppeteers
1: Ah, uh, Henson Studios just...
0: One day One time. day they may be good, as good as Team America, but today is not that day. Just kidding. Obviously, the puppeteering is top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> if I were just giving it a rating for puppeteering, you know, 9, 10 out of 10.
1: Y- you don't know how badly I wanted to swear at you when you just said
0: it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, just... you could have sweared me.
1: could have swore to you.
0: Well, there you go. So, what would you give your real rating for... I mean, you kind of already spoiled it when we were doing a, a previous segment, but what would you give your real rating now? For the labyrinth, or not the, but just labyrinth.
1: Still six out of 10. And then my heart is still perfect.
0: Perfect 10 out of 10. All right. Well, I gave real rating a four out of 10, which I think you predicted a six.
1: I gave, initially. no, I said four and four.
0: I thought you had adjusted it, but I thought originally you had said it was oh, a wait,
1: wait. six. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, when we were going through your, your discussion of it, I thought, oh, maybe we're at least at a five. But it's... No, my original prediction for you was 4 and 4.
0: Okay, so I gave... Wait, no, I'm looking at... <laughs> I was looking at waxwork.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: I gave real a 5 out of 10.
1: Oh, hey. Okay, so better than I thought you would.
0: I mean, technical stuff was amazing. The, the creativeness of the... Uh, the creativity, I should say, of the set design and puppets and the puppetry, puppeteering, amazing. It was kind of everything else that... Heart rating, also a 5 out of 10. Okay. It was the sort of thing where just the way i feel about it i would watch it again if someone had it on but i don't know that i would ever put it on myself
1: well it's at least you you rated it more generously than i thought you would so i feel better
0: yeah right, i i would say overall if i had to give this an adjective it's good
1: okay good not great
0: i think that's the so, same sort of thing i said about gremlins
1: yeah yeah it's i out of all the movies we've watched there's only been a handful that i Think you said that you're gonna actively go back and pursue? Breakfast Club was one of them, and I
0: just rewatched it. I think Monday
1: just rewatch it. And um, Taxi Driver, you said you wanted to watch, and now at this time, draw the parallels to Joker. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Uh, you uh, were excited to add Lost Boys to your watch of Halloween watches.
0: Yep. Waxwork, or, uh, not waxwork. waxwork is actually one that I'd like to go back and w- but Lost Boys definitely. Yeah.
1: See, Waxwork is a fun party film. Like yeah. I feel like that would be one that when it's safe to gather again as a big crowd.
0: I'd like to rewatch Jaws at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun to do a list of would Zack, uh, maybe add this, would Zack re this on his own. That's
0: a Yeah, that's a good thing to add to our template. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so Sleuth. Definitely.
1: Well, that one I, I knew. Yeah, I knew.
0: Sleuth, I've definitely added. I, I don't know if I bought it on iTunes. I don't even know if it was available, but I do have the video file that we found on that archive website. <laughs> yeah. Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. That's, it's a it's a situational sort of thing, but I would definitely rewatch that.
1: I think it'd be fun. You know, maybe one day if we can get um, a Patreon or something, and again, it's safe to gather, it'd be fun to do an experience of taking you to one of the live shows.
0: Oh, I would love to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like dress you up and...
0: Yep. Uh, Waxwork, of course. Lost Boys, of course. Scream.
1: If it's on, it's on. Yeah. And you'd watch it.
0: Yeah. Conjuring, nah. Mouse Detective, nah. Indiana Jones, Indy Joe 1. Yes, of course. The Phantom Menace. Indy Joe 2, Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Indy Joe 3, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'll definitely rewatch that. White Christmas, (laughs) Uh, although as a joke, maybe if someone's got it on, I'll criticize it while I'm watching it. Okay. Uh, Gremlins. Hey, you
1: know what to snow? <laughs>
0: snow, snow. Uh, Gremlins. Yeah, I,
1: I, We need to watch Gremlins too as a joke episode. Oh like, no, oh it's. Boy.
0: Uh, it happened one night. I'd rewatch that. Maybe some time passed, but I'd rewatch that. It mm-hmm. was good. Uh, Karate Kid. I don't know that it's something that I would put on, but if someone else had it on, yeah. Let's sit around.
1: We'll, we'll have to go back and watch the second one together eventually.
0: That is one I do want to see the sequel for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can watch Cobra Kai after watching the second one.
0: Best in show?
1: I know the answer. That is going to be it. Yes. T- You're going to watch that again?
0: I want to watch it again because I hated it so much. Or, I, not hate, but I just, it just didn't connect with me at all. And everybody is shocked by that. I feel like I need to re- watch it again and just give it another chance.
1: Okay.
0: But I'm not rewatching it because I liked it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's medicinal. <laughs> I ju- well,
0: it's it's more just challenging myself. Maybe I went into it with a different mindset.
1: And that's, you know, part of that, I'm realizing I should not set up the expectation so much. Like that one, I was just like, I'm, I'm convinced. Like,
0: I, Yeah, maybe. And, but I don't know because there have been other ones that you've anticipated that I like and I do and anticipated that I won't like and I don't. Yeah. So it hasn't changed me one way or the other. I don't know. Something about it. The The chemistry wasn't there, but maybe it will be in the future. So I want to, I want to try that again. As far as anything else, taxi driver, of course,
1: fish called Wanda.
0: fish called Wanda. Yes. See, you said that you gave great anticipation for that one. And I loved it.
1: Asshole. <laughs> I, I still say that around the house. Asshole. Don't call me stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, middle one? I gave you two options. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, I got you, (laughs) Berkeley boy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're you think you're so superior. (laughs) So many great lines for that movie. Oh, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, No, though people. I mean, you've had uh, your 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 guy Matt, matter of fact He criticized me for not liking this movie, but. uh, it
1: just wasn't that great. Oh, speaking of Matt from our Matter of Facts, mm-hmm. uh, he says he does have a handful of scripts and he's happy to share them with us if we wanted to do a live dramatic reading.
0: He, oh, he's got a handful of scripts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that'd be great.
1: So he told me that he has, or
0: at least some scenes from a movie.
1: Yeah, I, and that would also be a fun thing to do again for our Patreons. If yeah, we, yeah, If we get that set up, so
0: yeah, there you go. That's everything. What are we doing, X six next time on RTR? What movie shall we be reviewing next?
1: We're going to bring down the moon a little bit.
0: We're going to bring down the moon. What are we, Jimmy the Stewart? Mood, in mood. What are we, Jimmy Stewart, in uh, uh, Life of Pi, L- Life of uh, Caspian Gray? Better off dead. Uh, light. It's a wonderful
1: life. It's a wonderful life. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I was just going to let you go.
0: I could not get there.
1: <laughs> that was like the last time you paused, and I'm just like, nope, not helping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I noticed you're not helping, and I just let the silence ride. So yes, what are we? Jimmy Stewart in "It's a Wonderful Life"? No,
1: we're pulling we're gonna, down the moon. Mood.
0: Gotcha. Duh. Okay. Duh.
1: Mood. Duh. Duh. <laughs> mood. Duh. <laughs> and we're going to go to our first dramatic horror.
0: Dramatic horror, you say? Mm-hmm. Now is this one with Quentin Tarantino, or is that a different thing?
1: That is a different thing. That is "Dust Till Dawn," which I oh. did show you.
0: I have not seen.
1: You saw at least part of it when we lived at the apartment together. I think
0: I remember seeing like the opening scenes. Yeah. Something like that.
1: So uh, we are going to watch Interview with the Vampire. Starring Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Christian Slater.
0: Oh, Mr. Robot himself. Cool. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, it's... It's interesting because I- I'm curious how you're going to take it because it's not what I would call traditional horror. Yes, there were some scary things in it, but to me it was more drama Okay, and kind of um, it's an exploration of self-loathing and the destructiveness of that.
0: Is Bradley Pitts shirtless in this movie?
1: I don't know that. I think he does go full shirtless once. He's usually wearing kind of a billowy shirt of some kind.
0: He's not shirtless at least once in this movie. I will consider it a failure. <laughs> but that's true for any Bradley Pitts movie.
1: Okay, so my nostalgia for this, I'm gonna give that a six out of ten, which is good. Um, actually, you know what? Six point five. I'm gonna I'm gonna bump that up. And the real, I'm going to give also a six point five. For your reel, I think I'm going to give it a five. <laughs> And for your heart, I'm going to say six.
0: You think I'm going to heart this six times? I do. All right. Well, here we go. We've got the trailer all lined up. Should I watch or should I notch?
1: I think it's better when you notch. I like you going in blind.
0: I shanch.
2: (laughs) I want you to see we get started. So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. Gee, how? I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by Anne Rice. From Neil Jordan, the director of The Crying Game. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you, pluck out the pain, and give you another life? One you could never imagine. I can see you lying on a bed of satin. He chose one man. He gave him infinite power. Eternal life. And a daughter who would be forever young. This is the only real evil left. And then he took the light of day. You're a vampire. You never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. I can't stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? God kills indiscriminately. And so shall we. You like dying? You condemn me to hell! Monster. Kirsten Dunst and Christian Slater interview with the vampire
1: well that was a delightful trailer thank you for joining me so you know I I think we we say it all the time but it really bears repeating because no one is following our instructions dumb stupid
0: idiots out there No, sorry no no, lovely obedient servants
1: love us fear us give us a five-star review and we'll be your slaves Exactly, uh, <laughs> not a rating
0: but a review
1: yes on apple podcast um join us on the facebook group rtr community face place
0: yes and so this is called interview with the vampire mm-hmm. i always thought it was interview with a vampire
1: just kind of like it's not the labyrinth it's That's just right. labyrinth
0: so here read this joke live
1: Vulcans have always been known as the intellectual puppets of this federation. Yeah. Well, your mother's so fat, she outweighs the needs of the many. <laughs> oh my a, God, it's so dumb. <laughs> I know, but it's a great little
0: Star Trek uh, joke.
1: So uh, I would like to thank Julian Crowhurst for the use of our theme song. Ca-caw! Uh So I'd I've got hand
0: gestures that go along with that, by the way. I actually he do. Uh, a, a he
1: flutters <laughs> around like a little pretty boy. <laughs> caw So uh, I've been Allison.
0: I've been Jack. See you next time, guys. Bye.
1: Good night.